But Romans 7, a very, very important chapter. And as we're, we're studying through Romans, we're, we're just discovering or hopefully rediscovering some amazing truths about how we walk with the Lord. Um, first couple chapters of Romans just really laying the groundwork how all people are under really the wrath of God. Uh, there's none good, no, not one. <clears throat> that those who have uh, really just rejected God's law and given themselves over to sin, they have a big problem. They have God's wrath abiding on them. But there's also religious people and people who try to do good and think that they're good enough to make it into heaven based on their own works. They're in trouble too, the Bible says. So it lays out really this devastating case against mankind that there is none righteous, no, not even one. And, and even if you're religious, even if you're trying to do good, in and of yourself, you're not acceptable before God. And then Romans 3.20 says, For by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So this is a very important truth to keep in mind. We're going to talk about the law today a lot as we go through Romans 7. See, the law can't justify you. It can't sanctify you. It can only tell you that you're a sinner. <clears throat> and that's a great work that the law does because many don't believe they are sinners and they aren't letting the law do its work. But, you know, even as us as believers, we find as we begin to walk with the Lord, we see the law do even a deeper work in us. And, we, and as we're going to see in Romans 7 today, Paul, his eyes were really opened as a believer at the inner work of, of the law, that he might be able to keep the external law. Hey, I've never committed adultery, but man, you're, you're looking at a woman to lust after her. You have failed. Or, or I've, Paul says, I've always kept the Sabbath, but you're, you're breaking God's law. You don't understand how, how deep of a sinner you are and how much you need, not only forgiveness, but the very power of Jesus Christ to walk with you daily, for him to live his life through you. It's important we understand the depth of our sin and the depth of our condition because if you don't understand that, you're never going to walk in God's grace, right? If You will never come to the Lord initially unless you admit you're a sinner, right? You cannot get saved unless you come and bow your knees and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. That's how you start out with God. But I'll tell you the same principle applies for a Christian if you want to learn to walk in the victorious power of God's spirit, you have to admit you cannot overcome sin in your own power, that you have, still have a fleshly nature that Paul said, there's in me, that is in my flesh, no good thing dwells. And, and Paul says in Romans 7, I find a, uh, that there is evil present in me, the one who wills to do good. So as believers, we can get confused and think, hey, I'm saved, I'm a good person now. No, you're not. Your flesh is evil. Your flesh is no good. And you need to learn how to deal with that. And it's not an easy thing. It's, it's something you have to learn and let the Holy Spirit reveal to you how to walk in the Spirit. And I will just tell you right now, it's impossible for the natural man to understand these truths about walking in the Spirit. If you're going to try to figure this out, you think you're smart, you know, maybe you did really well in school, you're a really smart person, 
it is not going to help you here. It isn't. It, I read sometimes, you know, really intellectual people, what they think about, you know, Romans 7, 8. And it's like, you don't get it. You don't get it. And Jesus said, you know, even us who are, aren't that brilliant and smart, he says, you know, I've, I've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to babes. So when you study these truths, and they're critical truths for us to walk in victory, you have to humble your mind and say, Lord, I don't have a clue. Holy Spirit, would you teach me? Spirit of truth, teach me. And it's, a, man, it's important that you almost have to get desperate before the Lord and just say, Lord, I know I have a sin problem and I cannot, I cannot overcome in myself and come to the point Paul did, oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? So, but again, back to Romans 3.20, just as a review, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Remember that. The law keeps working that in our lives. Verse 21 of Romans 3, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So this is what we have to learn as believers. You're not going to become more righteous through trying, through your own best efforts to do good. That's the law. You, righteousness doesn't come to you initially in salvation that way, and righteousness does not come to you in, in sanctification that way. It comes through faith in Jesus Christ, and that's good news, believe me. It's good news. And then Romans 4, Paul lays out the case of the, of the absolute importance of faith, that if you're going to learn to walk with God, well, it says the righteous shall live by faith. They shall go from faith to faith. It's not just a one-time thing. Oh, I exercise faith when I accepted Jesus into my heart, and I'm good now. My sins are forgiven. I'm on my way to heaven. Okay, that's true, but you better learn to walk in faith now, step by step. That's how you interact with God, not by being religious and keeping rules and the law. It's a faith-based relationship. And, and, and Paul argues, hey, it's been this way all the way back to Genesis, the beginning of the Bible. We see this man, Abraham, who was uh, account, it was accounted to him for righteousness because he believed God. So this whole concept of interacting with God by faith is nothing new. It's right in the beginning of the Bible. And so now we are children of Abraham because we're walking by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And then chapter 5 talks about the great work of Jesus Christ on the cross and, and how God's grace toward us is so amazing. You know, the, the, the power of the sin of Adam and that wave of death and sin that swept over the earth and devastates our lives that's a powerful force, right? We, we have all felt the power of it and destruction in our lives. And we, you know, we still feel it to some degree, even as believers. But Paul's argument is, let's compare that, that act of that one man, Adam, and the devastation that's brought and to the, the person of Jesus Christ, that one man who obeyed God on, and went to the cross and the, the wave of grace that now sweeps across the world to those who are open to receiving that grace. So it's really chapter 5 is about just the much more grace of God. He says, if, if while you were enemies, uh, 
Christ died for you, how much more now that you're reconciled to him that you'll have favor with God, this much more favor of God. So then the chapter ends saying, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. So we should have a grace mentality. You, you can get in this kind of funk and, and be so focused on your failures and your sin, and you just, oh, I'm, I'm never going to amount to anything for God. And, and you, no, you need to have a grace mentality. Yeah, I do have sin. Yeah, I do struggle. But you know, God's grace is greater than my sin. And that's, God's grace never ends. It never ends. It's very powerful. It's like an ocean of grace. I'm just going to be receiving God's grace over and over by faith. Walk in faith, from faith to faith in God's grace. What's it saying, John? You go from grace, uh, grace to grace, right? Of his grace, we, uh, of his uh, fullness, we've all received uh, grace upon grace. So it's, it's taught other places in the Bible. So then we're going to see this often where Paul is talking about grace uh, versus sin or grace versus law. And then he, he anticipates the question, well, if you're saying grace abounds, Paul, then maybe it's okay for us just to uh, sin it up because grace will cover it. And Paul says, that's not what I'm teaching. Ver- chapter 6, verse 1, what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And then Paul goes out down through this chapter uh, 6, basically laying out the case that if you've accepted Jesus, you've been given this new nature. And we sung about that this morning, how we, we desire to please God. We want to do his will, right? That, that's just the cry of our heart as a born-again believer. That's one of the really amazing transformations that occurs in, in a born-again Christian. You know, not only are your sins forgiven, you, you have a home in heaven, but you have this new nature. The old man dies. The old Adam man who is by nature in rebellion against God only wanted to do his own will, he's died. He's gone. And now you have this new man within you, your, your spirit, that God has uh, birthed, a new creation. You're born again. And in this new creation, this, this new heart that you've been given, your new spirit where God dwells, there's this deep, deep desire to want to do God's will. Now, that doesn't mean you have the power to do God's will. And this is understanding the difference between Romans 6 and 7. Just because you want to do something doesn't mean you have the power to do something, right? I could want to be an NBA basketball player, but I would get, you know, wasted by those guys. I, I wouldn't even make it down the court one time, and I'd be so out of shape. And, you know, I'd try to throw up the basketball. They'd spike it down at me. I wouldn't have a chance. You know, you can want to do something, but that doesn't mean you have the ability to it. But it's, it is a miracle. It is an amazing thing that, that Romans 6 transformation, that we have this new spirit. We want to do God's will. But this is where we can, again, become confused, where we think just because we want to, that we're going to have the power to do it. And this is now what Romans 7 talks about, and that's what we're going to uh, cover today. How do we receive the power to, to uh, overcome? Now, there's this process that we go through as believers that Romans 6, 7, and 8 
covers. And, and before we read chapter 7, I just kind of want to go over this real quickly. So you realize you're a sinner. You come to the Lord by faith. He forgives your sin. You become this new person. Your desires change. You, now you want to begin to please God. And Romans 6 talks about now, now that you're this new person, the old man's dead, now present yourself to God as one alive from the dead. So there's your, your, your choice is involved, right? Not, this isn't automatic. Sanctification is um, interacting with God, cooperating with God. So I have to now offer myself to the Lord as one alive from the dead. My, my members, I'm not given over to sin. I'm giving them over to God. Now, I can just remember in my own experience as a believer, as I, I began to go deeper with the Lord, really just wanting to give myself to the Lord fully, just like it says here in Romans, like, Lord, I just present myself to you. I don't want to be, you know, a compromising Christian. I want to go 100% for you, God. You know, I want to go all the way. And you kind of get that, that radical kind of um, desire in you to really go all out for the Lord. I, hopefully you've, you've come to that place because maybe it's in a worship service or something and, and you're just like, wow, I could just like see the Lord practically and I'm, I'm experiencing God and I see his goodness and his majesty and his love and his grace and the fact that he's even called me to be his child and, and it's only right that I would love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and you have that experience. Hopefully you've, you've had that or more than once. And, and I know early on in my Christian life, I, I had that. But then what happens is you now, you, you start to walk in that and say, man, I'm just going all out for God. I mean, like I'm going to be in the word. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to witness. I'm going to do all these things for the Lord and just live for the Lord all out. But then you begin to find out you don't have the power to maintain that kind of life. And what can happen, you start to get discouraged. You're like, oh, I keep failing. I keep failing. I keep recommitting. I, 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 my heart is there. I really want to serve the Lord. I'm not, I'm not just being like a carnal Christian. Now, that, that's a whole other category of, of, of people. What I just described to you, that, that person who's like, I'm just radical for Jesus. I'm going all the way. That's good. That's, you need to have that experience. I also had a, a phase in my Christian life early on where I was, I would say I was a carnal Christian. I was kind of backslidden, basically. And, ooh, that's not a fun place to be either. And you're, you have the fear of man. You're trying to please people. You're, you're really, you're, you got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. And you're, you know, compromising, doing things you know you shouldn't do, but you're rationalizing. And I was there for, uh, I don't know, maybe two or, two or three years, really. And I was, I was still going to church. I was trying to seek the Lord. But then I, I just came to a point where it's like, I can't live this way anymore. You know, and I don't really care what anybody else thinks. I'm getting back into the radical lane, you know, and, and I'm going to get back into the fight <clears throat> but again, just because you have that radical kind of desire to serve God, then you begin to realize over time, oh, but I keep failing the Lord. I keep disappointing him. I keep messing up. I'm not trying to. I'm not like planning sin. I'm just, 
I'm a mess. Then you come to this point where you realize, oh, God never expected me in my own strength to please him. He expects me to learn how to walk in the power of the spirit. And you come to this crisis point where you're like, I guess I'm just, I guess I just don't have what it takes to be a good Christian. You ever heard people say, I just, I just don't have what it takes. That's the whole point of Romans 7. You're supposed to come to that point. But you have to go through those first steps first where you radically commit yourself to the Lord. It, if, you don't, if you don't come to that point of radically offering yourself to the Lord and, and wanting to serve him with all your heart, you're never going to even experience Romans 7 because you'll never experience the failure. You're always just a carnal Christian wandering in the wilderness. Maybe that's the, you know, the... the um, the type of, uh, in Exodus there, where the, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, never entered uh, the promised land. But those of you who have com- really presented yourself to the Lord and want to go all out for him, you understand what I'm talking about here. Uh, those of you that may, maybe you're, car- uh, what the Bible would say, you're a carnal Christian. You're, you're just living by the, this, the indulgences of your flesh, your rationalizing sin, you need to come to this place of repentance and say, Lord, I give myself to you. And then over time, you're going to experience the Romans 7 uh, failure of self and realize, oh, God never expected me to do it in myself. He ex- he, he, but I have to come to this point of utter failure. So let's jump into Romans 7. Verse 1, or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. So notice here, Paul saying, do you not know? This is something he has said several times through Romans, emphasizing the importance that, guys, we got to know these truths. We, it's important we know who we are in Christ. It's important we understand the purpose of the law. So he says, uh, don't you know, brethren? Now, again, he's talking to Christians here. Some, you'll read some commentators, they get confused about this. They think, well, this, this failure of Paul's that he's going to talk about in Romans 7, this was, bef- this was speaking before he was a Christian because certainly, you know, a Christian wouldn't have these kinds of struggles. It's like, okay, that's not right. Um, but he, so he's talking to the brethren that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. Now he's going to explain what he means by that. For the woman who has a husband is bound by law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband lives, she marries another man, She will be called an adulteress, but if her husband dies, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. So it's important that we we understand where Paul is coming from here. He's a man who has lived under the law 
his whole life, right? Isn't it interesting that God would call this very strict Pharisee, Paul, to be this, this champion of faith? And so he takes this person, Paul, who, who lived by the law. In fact, it helps, I think, if we go over to um, Romans, I'm sorry, Philippians 3. And read a little bit about Paul's background. Romans, uh, I'm sorry, Philippians 3.1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. So this idea of having confidence in the flesh, when we're going through Romans 7 and 8, and Paul's talking about uh, not walking in the flesh, he's not talking about the carnal, self-indulgent flesh. He's talking about the religious flesh. Okay, so there's, there's like two sides to our, our fallen flesh. There's that, as I spoke about earlier, that carnal where I'm, I'm compromising and I'm, I'm rationalizing sin and kind of planning sin, just living in this place of disobedience. But, but there's that, as we talked about, that sincere, devoted Christian who who hasn't learned to live by the Spirit yet and depending on the Spirit, they're, all, they're still depending on what I would call your religious flesh. So it's still fallen, it's still unacceptable to God, but it's the only frame of reference you have. You don't know how else to live for God. You haven't learned to live by faith in the Spirit and let Christ live his life through you. So when Paul's talking about we have no confidence in the flesh, that's what he's saying. Uh, we, verse 3, we have no confidence in flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. And if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. <clears throat> then he lists all of his accomplishments as, as a Pharisee, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. See, so this was an outward obedience to the law, not, not an inward one where Paul says he's blameless. But what things were gained to me, I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Now listen to this. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God by faith. So this is how Paul lived now, not, not on his own righteousness. He, he knew he had no righteousness in himself. But he, the life that he now lives, he lives by faith. Uh, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Okay, so then we go over to Galatians. Galatians 2. And Galatians is kind of like a, a, a mini Romans. <coughs> so then verse 19, 
<coughs> Galatians 2, 2, Paul says, For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. And we're going to talk about that when we get back into Romans 7. Dying to the law. That's what we just read in Romans 7. I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. I have been, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Now listen to this. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. So Paul is talking, again, about not justifying righteousness, you know, where God declares you just justified the moment you accept Jesus and declares you not guilty. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God. And that the righteousness that I've learned to walk in to please God, it comes by faith in the Son of God. In fact, I don't even live. It's Christ who lives through me. That's what we're talking about in Romans 7 and 8. But Romans 7, you have to come to the end of yourself and realize by following some sort of rule book or law or even, even your own standards uh, through self-effort uh, is not the way we now relate to God. And Paul's saying that way of relating to God, you've died to. And, you know, it can be very subtle. It can be very subtle. Like, say you're struggling with a sin and, and you fall into sin. You're like, oh, God, I'm so sorry I did that. Forgive me. You know, of course, that's the first thing you should say. Lord, forgive me. I repent. I turn from that. But then where we make the mistake, we, we say, well, you know, if I could just control my thinking, next time I won't fall into that sin. Or if I just had, if I was more diligent in my devotions, I wouldn't fall into that sin. And you st- None of those things that you just said involved faith in Jesus Christ and in the power of his spirit. And I think this is where it can get very subtle. We think, well, you know, I I lost my temper there, and if I would have just counted to 10 or, you know, I I was so irritable toward that person, just so unchristlike. And next time... You know, I just need to be more patient. I just really got to work on being patient. Well, you're just putting yourself under the law right there. And I know that's very subtle. What we should say is, man, I was so unchristlike just then. And Lord, I must have not just been walking in the power of your Holy Spirit. Something in my heart is drifted from that place of faith in the life of Jesus Christ. Because I know I have no patience in myself. But you said if I walk in the Spirit, I'll have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. So, Lord, uh, instead of promising you to do better, Lord, I'm sorry that I didn't trust you. I wasn't walking in the power of the Spirit. I wasn't trusting you to crucify my flesh. It's very subtle, but my point is the way that we interact with God, the way that we walk with God, it's not through the law. It's not through keeping promises 
or giving, making promises to God to do better. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. And, and here he's given an example of being married to the law. So hopefully in your marriage, you, you know, your spouse isn't like the law, always telling you how you're doing poorly. And that, that's kind of how the law is. It's, it's, it's going to point out your flaws, but it's not going to give you any power to do better. And, and, that's a, and Paul's going to say, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just the purpose of the law. The law's not bad. But, you know, now that we're on the subject of, you know, talking about a, a man, a woman being married to the law, you might want to think about your, your marriage. You know, what kind of spouse are you? Are you a spouse of grace? You know, when you see faults in your spouse, do you pray for them? Do you um, always think the best of them? And, or, or are you a, a critic and, and quick to point out their flaws? But that's really kind of the picture Paul's drawn here. You have this woman who has a husband, is bound by law to the, the husband as long as uh, he lives. So you're married to the law, but he's saying when that husband dies, she's released from the law of her husband, and she can marry another, and she's not an adulteress if she marries another. And then the point is saying, brethren, you have become dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another. So we don't have a relationship with the law any anymore is the point Paul's making here. We were married to the law. And that's a little confusing. They're like, well, who died? The spouse died or I died? Well, you know, we both died. We died to the law. But the point is, we, we've been married to another, to Jesus who was raised from the dead. So Paul's point is there, there's a new relationship you have with God, and it's not through the law. It's through this marriage relationship with Jesus Christ and through that resurrection power. Notice he's focused on Christ and, and him raised from the dead, verse 4. This is how we now relate with God, and we will bear fruit to God through this relationship with Christ. Then verse 5, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So Going through Romans 7, if you keep this in mind, this is, the Paul, this is the point Paul keeps driving home in different ways. We don't relate to God by the law, the oldness of the letter. We relate to God in the power of his Holy Spirit. And the power of his Holy Spirit gives us the ability to walk in righteousness and overcome sin. So it says, verse 5, the sinful passions were aroused by the law. I really believe this is, Paul is talking about even when he was a Christian, the more that he understood the law of God and the inner work of the law of God, and yet Paul had no other point of reference than than how he lived when he was a, a Pharisee. And I, and I think that's kind of the the pattern we see here, that Paul, he got saved, he had this encounter with Jesus Christ, this this amazing conversion 
and and again, he's he's got this new spirit, this new desire to serve the Lord. He believes Jesus is the Messiah. But then how does he now begin to live his Christian life? He doesn't know any other way to live than by his you know, Pharisee life that he used to live. And he thought, hey, I was blameless. I was doing great. And isn't that amazing that Paul could say that, that he was so deceived that he thought he was blameless before God by keeping the law, which really he wasn't, right? He was a sinner. I think what Paul's talking about through this chapter is as he now began to walk with the Lord and he began to see the law doing inner work in him, he saw the depth of his sin, how bad he really was. He says, you know, the law is good, but when I would look at the law and, and it would go deep into my heart, I would see it would even, I'm so bad that my sinful passions would actually be stirred up by the law. And so I have to understand that the way I interact with God is not based on law keeping, but by the power of the Spirit. So we, we have to learn now to walk in the newness of the Spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. Verse 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner <clears throat> of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring, bring death. So, these are kind of tough scriptures to understand, but I think if you understand where Paul, again, as a Pharisee, now trying to live a Christian life and now understanding the inner work that the law wanted to do in his life, and, and he began to see how bad he really was. And so he's saying, it's not the law that's that's bad. It's, it's me that's bad. Uh, and... You know, maybe he, he could keep all of these uh, outward uh, laws, but when you talk about not coveting, Paul's realizing, oh, man, the depth of my sin. It, it's amazing. See, what happens when you begin to walk with the Lord and the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life and he begins to, to use the law to show you uh, how sinful you are, you, you become much more sensitive to sin, don't you? I mean, that, that's the way it should work, that the longer we walk with the Lord, the more sensitive we are to sin. <clears throat> See, Paul wasn't sensitive to sin before he was a believer, right? I mean, he was killing Christians and thinking he was doing the right thing. It's amazing when you're under the law, how deceived you can be. You know, have you ever met someone who they could even be like a legalistic Christian, but there's a lot of anger? in their life, and they're, and they're, he's like, what, what's wrong with this person? Something's wrong. They're saying they're a believer, but I see this anger. You know, I see this irritation in their life. What's going on here? Well, they're under the law. They're carrying this weight. They're, the Bible says if you're walking in the Spirit, there's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So don't, don't deceive yourself. If you, if you have all these problems like the Galatian church had because they were walking under the law, they were fighting with one another. They had anger, the outbursts of wrath. 
the opposite of, of what you should be as a believer. So <clears throat> I think this is what Paul was beginning to see in his life. He's, he's trying to walk with the Lord, and he's seeing, oh, my gosh, I'm coveting. This is terrible. Uh, I, I thought I was, I was pretty good. He says, verse 9, I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. I think what he was saying, there was a time when I knew the law and I thought I was okay. But now the law has come to me and sin is revived and I'm, I'm di- I've died. I realize how messed up I am. I, I'm in a bad way. And, and I've, I've seen this in my life. The, the, the more I walk with the Lord, even the more I walk in the Spirit, and I'll, and I'll see, like this last week, I, I just saw this moment of, uh, the only way I can explain it is um, irritation and arrogance. Like the Lord showed me instantly. I was like, I can't believe the way I just, it was at work, a person with work at work. And I was like, but... There was a time, even my Christian life, it's like, hey, I'm just, you know, I'm just doing business here, you know, and, and uh, this person's not getting it, and, you know, you kind of mistreat them, and, and you're like, I can't believe I just said that. I can't believe what was in my heart. But the Lord just showed me, well, you know, there's no condemnation. I get ahead of myself here, but you start to see sin in your life. You don't go into this deep depression and start beating up on yourself because you realize, oh, that really wasn't me. That was sin within me. I guess I'm just not walking in the spirit right now. Lord, show me where I misstepped, where I, my mind and heart got out of alignment with your spirit, how I could react to this person like that. Um, but that's just me. I'm a, that's the sin in me. And, uh, and Lord, uh, let's deal with that. Uh, when I, you know, when you're a Christian who's kind of under the law, you'd be like, I can't believe I just did that. And you go into this, you know, dip, I, I just got to do better. And, you know, that's terrible. Or, or you might not even notice it, you know, in yourself. You might just rationalize it. I'm just, you know, that person deserved it, you know. And so, um, but you, there's a sensitivity. He says, I was alive once without the law. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And I think that's what Paul's talking about there is that he became very sensitive now to the inner work of the Holy Spirit. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. In other words, he's in this place of uh, recognizing the power of sin in his life. And uh, he's not being the kind of person he wants to be for, for God. Verse 11, for sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that the sin, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. So what Paul is saying, and it's kind of hard to understand, but I, I believe what he's saying there keeps driving the same point. I didn't understand how bad I really was. And when the law came by the, the, by the power of the Spirit in my life, sin really appeared for what it was. And I realized how exceedingly sinful I was. For, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Again, this is Paul talking as a Christian. For what I am doing, I do not understand. 
For what I will to do, <clears throat> that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. So here we, here we go. Paul goes into this, this uh, section of, of discussing the frustration he has with his will has been renewed and generated, but his practice has not aligning with his will as a, as a born-again Christian, and he's got to come to this crisis point to learn to walk into the spirit and basically give up on himself. For then I do, if then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So even though we're born again and our old man is dead, we still have the flesh that we have to deal with and that sin that dwells within us. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. This is a Christian now talking. This is the great apostle Paul saying nothing good dwells in my flesh. Of course, the Holy Spirit dwelled him. That, that is good. But him as a person in his own righteousness, there's nothing good. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do I do not do, but the evil I will not to do that I practice. So again, this is a Christian who hasn't learned to walk in the Spirit. This shouldn't be a way of life, uh, even though we, you know, we kind of go in and out of this. As we learn to walk in the Spirit consistently, we can overcome sin. Because some people can read this and just say, well, see, Paul couldn't overcome sin. And so, yeah, I guess this is the way, way I am. And uh, the things I, you know, don't want to do, I do. And the things I don't want to do, I don't do. It's a mess. I'm a mess. No, we're going to come out of Romans 7 into Romans 8. For the good that I will to do, verse 19, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So Paul began to understand this distinction that the, the, the real him is that born-again, new spirit, new nature, but he's got to deal with this sin, this uh, flesh that's within him. And, and it's really not him. It's this power of sin in him. So I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God, according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind... I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So he just keeps driving this, this truth home. This is an experience Paul had as a Christian, how to deal with the flesh, how to overcome the sin that he sees within himself. And he was very frustrated. He was saying the very things I don't want to do, I end up doing. <clears throat> and the good that I will to do, I don't do. And really kind of coming to the end of, uh, end of himself and saying, man, I'm, I'm in captivity here. I can't overcome these sins. I can't live 
the way I want to live as a Christian. And I'm just a wretched man. And I think that's in the sense of, well, he was miserable living in that condition, but also realizing as I'm just a wretched sinner, I'm, I am just, uh, you know, man, if you stop there at verse 24, you say, I, I give up. I can't live this Christian life. Who's, I, I'm in a body of death. <laughs> Who's going to deliver me? And, and then the good news, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's it. That's where the deliverance is. That's what he expands on in chapter 8. Well, what do you mean through Jesus Christ our Lord? And Paul expands on that in chapter 8. And, and he understood this distinction. He says, so with the mind, I serve the law of God. This new nature I have wants to serve God, but the flesh is, is in bondage to sin. You have no power in and of yourself to overcome sin before you were Christian or after you were Christian unless you learn to walk in the power of the Spirit. And we, we have to go into a little bit of chapter 8 here. I can't leave you hanging. So he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So, as I mentioned earlier, Paul wasn't sinking into depression and focused on his sin and, and I believe that that's what he's really talking about when he talks about condemnation. Now, this is a controversial verse because, uh, well, in some Bibles, you won't even see the last part of the uh, verse 1. Because people say, well, wait a minute. If this is talking about justification, you can't put conditions on justification. You're not saying, I'm not saved if I don't walk in the Spirit, Right? So he, he, Paul's saying there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, according to the Spirit. So you mean if I, if I walk in the flesh, I'm going to hell? That's not what Paul's talking about here. The whole context is not justification, it's sanctification. It's, it's not about starting out with God. We're already saved. That's Romans you know, chapter 6. Uh, Romans 5, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We've exercised faith in Jesus. We're saved. This is not talking about that. It's talking about the condemnation of the law of sin and death. In other words, Paul was caught in this cycle, not learning yet how to overcome sin because he was trying to do it the same way he did it as a Pharisee, just through self-effort. And he, he was failing uh, feeling the condemnation of um, failing and the depression. I'm just a wretched man. I can't live this Christian life. I'm so frustrated. And Paul's saying, you don't have to live that way because you are in Christ. You're, In other words, you're standing in his righteousness. And yes, the last part of this verse should be in the Bible. I, I, I believe, you know, some of these notes you see in your Bible, well, this wasn't you know, included in some of the uh, the more recent or the oldest manuscripts. That's a whole nother sermon, right? The King James, based on the Textus Receptus, you can study that. I believe it is is the right manuscript. Um, a lot of them, other translations don't use um, the the Textus Receptus. 
But um, I believe this is was in the original uh, writing. In fact, you see it repeated in verse 4, besides, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So you just have to understand that it's not talking about if you get into the flesh, you're going to hell. It's talking about the law of sin and death. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So that cycle of Paul failing in the flesh, he learned it's through that the life of Jesus Christ in him that is going to make him free. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. So you take the law combined with our sinful flesh and you're, you're trying to live up to God's law in your efforts. It, 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 it's weak. It's not the law's fault. It's because your flesh is weak. The law couldn't do, but God did it. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, according to the spirit. So I believe when it talks about walking according to the spirit rather than the flesh, it's talking about a person, a Christian who's trying to walk with God based on their own efforts and their own strength. That's what it's talking about, walk, uh, walking according to the flesh. It's not talking about that sinful, self-indulgent side uh, of the flesh, but it's in the context, again, it's here Paul trying hard to please God but failing, and he realized, oh, it's because I'm depending on my own flesh instead of de- totally depending on the Holy Spirit, giving up on myself, only letting Christ live his life through me and really it's a mindset see if a and this is what the next few verses are going to talk about it's it's how you think about your relationship with God do you think you can do it in your own strength or or oftentimes a person could even pray and say well God help me I'm weak but then they're right back in their own doing it in their own strength so it's a very subtle type of thing there has to be an understanding within your heart and your mind that Lord, I have no righteousness within myself. All of my righteousness comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm trusting you, Lord, now to overcome the sin in me. And any righteousness that comes out of my life, God, is 100% to your glory. It has nothing to do with me. We're still involved in the process here. We're we're by faith walking in the Spirit, step by step receiving the life of Christ. Uh, But... We've given up on our own flesh. Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh, walking in the religious flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now, some would teach this. Well, that's just talking about a carnal Christian. Uh, They live in the flesh because they're just self-indulgent in the flesh. That's not what this is talking about. Now, later he does talk about the the lust of the flesh, and, and you have to mortify that part, that sinful, self-indulgent part of yourself, but you do it through faith in the power of the Spirit, not in yourself. So he's saying if you have a mindset where you think you can do it, if you just try harder or you work harder, then you're, you're walking according to the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, they have a mindset of the things of the Spirit. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So if you're carnally minded, you think you can please God in yourself, it's death. There's a frustration in your Christian life. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So is that the consistent, 
experience you're having in your Christian life, life and peace, life and peace, that abundant life and beautiful peace walking with the Lord? Or do you find a frustration in your Christian life? Like, I'm always defeated. Everything's going wrong. I'm, I'm upset with God half the time. I'm upset with other people. You're, you're just kind of in this, this disarray. You know, that's death. That's not what God has for you. He has life and peace. Now, notice again, it's your mind. Verse 7, the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So again, this is talking about the Christian mind who thinks that they can do it in themselves. And Paul's saying, don't even, you, you can't. You're, your flesh is at, against God's will. You're always going to go the wrong way. It's not, it's not subject to the law of God, and it can't be. It wants to be. The, the religious flesh wants to be, but it can't be. So those who are in the flesh cannot please God. If you're trying in your own strength, forget it. You're never going to please God. But, if, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. So basically just saying you already have the spirit within you. This isn't something you have to work up to. You just need to learn to walk in, in the power of the spirit. So we're going to end there. And let's pray. Lord, we do pray that these truths would, would come alive in our heart, Lord. And Lord, that we would just take time to meditate on these verses, to allow your Holy Spirit to bring alive these wonderful truths. And Lord, that we're not under bondage the bondage of fear that it talks about later in Romans of, of striving to, to please you and always failing and, and, and feeling like we're in this, you must, in this relationship where you're just disappointed with us, Lord. But we're not even expecting anything from ourselves anymore. We're, we're expecting by faith that your spirit will crucify our flesh, your spirit, will give us power over sin. And when we do fail, Lord, and, and we do all we do sin, we do fail, then we don't fall into some kind of uh, funk and condemnation, Lord, but we realize, okay, that, that really wasn't me. That's the sin within me. And I need to just get that mindset of trusting in Jesus to give me victory over sin and to change me and to deal with this sinful flesh that he has the power. What he wants from me is faith in him and in his cross. And so, Lord, this is so really a, seems to be a difficult place to come to, Lord. We can see Paul went through this, this crisis, Lord. And, Lord, for those, where, those here today, wherever they are at in that, in that journey with you, Lord. Maybe some here don't have never been born again, Lord. You would you would speak to them this morning and they would receive you. Or or those who've never given themselves over fully to you, Lord, to serve you, they would do that this morning. Or those who have done that but are frustrated because they feel like they don't have what it takes and they've just let you down, let themselves down, let others down. They would realize, Lord, you're you're not disappointed in them. You want them to realize you, you never expected anything from their flesh. You expected them to receive by faith daily the power of the Spirit and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so that 
Lord, we would learn not to have confidence in the flesh, as Paul said. No confidence in the flesh. No confidence in ourselves, but full confidence in the righteousness and the life of Jesus Christ. And Lord, if we begin to walk in this, you take us places that we never imagined possible. And, And what you do in our heart, we have a love for you and your word and your people and and love for prayer, and he just changes everything, Lord, when we get out from under self-effort, and we see a purity and a sensitivity to sin that we never imagined possible, and we see then power over sin. And so, Lord, we just yield our minds to the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to these truths, give give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation And, Lord, this is where I believe revival comes. It's already available. You know, we pray for revival, and and you're saying, I've I've already given it. You you just, you're not receiving it. And, and Lord, if we don't have that proper mindset, we're we're just going to continue in the flesh and bound by the law of sin and death. But, Lord, as we just yield our minds and hearts for you to teach us these things, May we just see that that life and that peace consistently in our lives, not outbursts of wrath, not irritation with people, but the very heart of Christ flowing through us, loving God, loving others, not kind of putting on a, a mask of, of a Christian face, but in the very depth of us, even when we're caught off guard, we, we act with, react with love because the Spirit is just flowing consistently. And then, Lord, you get all the glory. You get all the glory. We can't claim any righteousness of ourselves, Lord. And we just uh, want want you to receive glory and praise. And so we just uh, desperately need these things, Lord, and just commit our hearts to trust you to speak these things to us in Jesus' name. Amen.